if you have the highest and most reviews, more people will go to you. And because you'll have an overwhelming demand, it's supply and demand, you'll be able to raise your price. Welcome to Marketing with Matt. If you're an entrepreneur or business owner looking to create more margin in your life and business, you're in the right place. For more after the show, be sure to check out ProfitMoreWorkLess.com. Welcome out to Marketing with Matt. We're going to... Man, Matt has been bringing some heat in these last couple of episodes. And so hopefully you've liked, subscribed, and shared uh, this podcast with somebody, an entrepreneur or business owner who's seeking more margin in their life and business. And Matt, you've got some marketing to teach us about this week. Yeah, we got some good stuff. You know, it's funny. It feels a little bit like this is a tee-up for a professor. And I was, it felt weird, but I was like, you know, this is true. This has just been my world. So if it feels like... I don't want this to feel like teaching at you, but this is this is my background. So it, it, you don't have to pay for Pepperdine courses. You can just come here and hang out together. But I, I wish it could be conversational. So imagine you're talking about it through in your own mind uh, with me here. But in the world of marketing, I've heard it said like this, that there's this invisible hand out there that's either lifting up your brand or or suppressing it down. And this is one of those kind of X factors in, ter- in terms of understanding what it costs you to acquire a customer. Is there something out there that is making it increasingly difficult for you to acquire your next customer? Or is there something out there that's making it increasingly easier for you to acquire your next customer? So it's this sort of like this this, uh, hard to identify, hard to see force out there that is either making your job harder or easier when it comes to marketing, connecting to prospects who might become customers. And so what that invisible hand is, is it's your reputation. (laughs) It is what people say about your business when you're not there. Or maybe when you are there, right? It's what, what do people feel after giving you money, after doing business with you? And so with that in mind, that reputation either compounds in the positive or compounds in the negative to the overall mission and goal of growing your business. The question becomes, how do I better take care of my reputation? How do I have a better reputation? What can I do to elevate my reputation? Um, what can I do to, to make sure that this thing, this invisible force that's either building up or tearing down my brand is uh, you know actually building it up and making my life easier? And so in a typical customer journey, we think about it, this is a HubSpot methodology that they, are, they say it in this way that a customer goes from stranger to prospect, prospect to customer, customer to promoter. So it's kind of like a four-point journey. And a couple of years ago, when funnels started becoming popular, think of like, you know, the funnel of like a journey, you know, big on the top, small on the bottom. HubSpot came out with this ism. They'd say it's it's about the flywheel, not the funnel. So they started saying, hey, you your business should have a flywheel, not a funnel, because you don't want your business to have a singular point of a customer journey where they they start and they end. You want it to be something where when they complete a revolution, it actually adds more to it. So if you think about that, if of stranger to prospect, prospect to customer, customer to promoter, imagine that as like four points around a circle, those promoters are sending you more strangers that could become prospects, that could become customers, it could become promoters, right? This is typically how it's understood. And I think it was great. It was helpful at the time for HubSpot to do a good job of, you know, championing consider, uh, consideration for the customer journey, having a little bit longer view that, that the purpose of getting a sale isn't to get a customer, but the purpose of getting a customer is to get a sale. Like you think about like the getting the sale wasn't the end. It actually could be the thing that propels your next sale or the next customer. And so, that was the the methodology, the mindset. Maybe that alone is starting to click some things for you. But so what we've learned is in the journey of your reputation or the things that um, 
turn a stranger or a customer into a promoter, it comes down to this law of reciprocity, right? It's the law of reciprocity says that um, as humans, we're programmed to want to return in kind whatever we've received. So if you open the door for me, I'm going to want to open the door for you, right? You loan me 10 bucks, I want to loan you 10 bucks. We have benefited from these shortcuts to say, hey, if someone's good to you, you should be good to them, right? If they save you from the saber-toothed tiger, you should also save them because they might save you again. And, and sometimes you don't even understand it, right? But sometimes you're like preemptively, I'm going to save them from the woolly mammoth because they might save me from the woolly mammoth, right? So this um, sort of programmed into us and who we are. And so because of that, businesses have this sort of arrangement where how do you even go from stranger to prospect, prospect to customer? In that series of when your business is interacting with strangers and prospects, they haven't paid you anything. And if you think about it, you're trying to deliver outsized value such that they feel compelled to want to buy from you. They think, well, I got all of this value and I've spent nothing with you. And so now this human, this human nature that's programmed to, to reciprocate in kind is saying like, well, I, I can't whatever, I can't deliver the same kind of value that you've delivered to me, but maybe I can, maybe I can pay you money. Maybe I can purchase one of your, you know, paid for services or paid for goods. And that's, that's kind of how it happens. We build up this bank of reciprocity and then it, it kind of, or you fill up the bucket and eventually it, it overflows. That's when you get a customer. You think about it the same way in that customer journey, we think, well, if I over deliver enough while they're a customer, outsized returns, outsized value to even the money they've spent with me, now they might feel compelled to not, not just pay me because they've already done that. They might feel compelled to tell someone about my business. They might be compelled to um, immortalize that referral or you know evergreen that referral. And so we think about like referrals are typically the easiest customers to have. A lot of businesses, if they don't do marketing, they'll say like, how do you get customers? Well, referrals. That's good. That, that means you're doing something right. Like you were able to deliver an outsized amount of value after they become a customer that they would want to tell someone else and then they would become a customer. So that's, that's good and hard to do. An evergreen referral is the world we live in now with digitally. If someone leaves you a five-star review, that is an evergreen referral, right? It's, um, it lives on, you know, like while that person's sleeping or they've gone away or they've moved away, they may not even be using this good or service anymore, but there it is cemented on the internet as a, evergreen endorsement. And that's actually one of the most compelling reasons why we buy now. You think about it in this way, um, Amazon, it's an incredible statistic, but Amazon accounts for more than half of everything that's purchased online. More than half of every purchase on the internet happens through Amazon. That's pretty significant. And so it means that Amazon has a unique position where they can uh, kind of shift buyer psychology. And they've done that, right? Like the buyers, because you go to Amazon, I you know, I don't know how you shop on Amazon, but here's how I do it. I search for what I want, and then I look and see who has the highest and most reviews. And that's like 80% of my decision-making process. Who is the highest and most reviews? Secondary to that, then I look at price. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? Because initially, I don't sort by who's got the lowest price, because if they've got a low price, but they got a one out of five stars, like it's not even worth it. They're not even a contender. I'm not risking, I'm not gambling on this purchase here. Like I want to make sure someone's like, they're steady, they're proven. They, 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 you know, can, uh, have some sort of a reputation already established before I'll even consider buying them. And then it's secondary of like, okay, is one of them grossly outpriced of the other? And honestly, sometimes that just means I assume there's more value there. So then I might dig in and compare two of them, right? The one that's grossly outpriced and maybe has gross, you know, disproportionate amount of reviews and one that's still in the ballpark there. But so that's how 
more than half of what I buy online. That's that's how the process goes. Who is the highest and most reviews? And then secondary is price is, is you know, the majority of the decision-making process for me. So how should somebody apply that into their business today, right? Like if somebody, how do they get more evergreen uh, reviews? How do they, yeah. how do they hack that system, if you will? Yeah, I guess we've covered the why. If you're here, you're like, great, Matt, that sounds good. I understand what I need to do. How do I do it? Um, classically, I would say, well, you just have to get more customers and then you have to just do a great job and then, and then probably remember to ask them. So that's the, the first blind spot is usually that they don't, you don't ask your customers. You assume that they'll take this action, but you shouldn't assume, right? Like most of us who have, uh, spouses, we didn't accidentally become committed to each other. Like there was, there was an ask, there was a conversation, there was a discussion, um, because you know, as great as we are as humans, we can't read minds yet. And so you do have to make that ask. So as a business, um, I would say if this is that important, that this is probably one of the most critical things that you could do for your business is establish a reputation, uh, gather these evergreen um, endorsements so that you can have evergreen referrals, you should automate this process. You should automate the ask. Um, you can identify a point where um, when the purchase happens, you ask for it. Uh, great businesses on Amazon, the ones that have tons of reviews, they ask. They ask, they automate the ask. After the purchase happens, there's something saying, hey, please leave us a review. Would you leave us a review? They even will put it in their product. Like as you're opening the box, it says, hey, isn't this awesome? Isn't this great? Would you mind leaving us a review, right? And so find a way to automate the ask. That's that's definitely a blind spot for a lot of businesses. But the the if you want the ninja hack here, it is realizing that you don't have to wait for someone to become a customer to get an endorsement. So if you search around, um, like let's go Google for review space, you will find there's two types of endorsements that Google is absolutely allows. One is competency, right? This is what we typically assume. Like, are they actually good? You look at a restaurant and the review says their food is great. Awesome. That is a competency review. It means I bought food from them. I tasted their primary goods or service and I can tell you it is good. They deliver on it. The second type of review, which is less obvious, but as soon as I say this, you'll, you'll then realize, oh my gosh, it's totally right is a character review. This is the review that says, one star, the waitress was rude, right? That has nothing to do with the food, which is the core component of a restaurant. You might say, oh, well, they're in the service industry. How many times have you seen the review where it says, uh, whatever, two stars, um, I called, they uh, were rude to me on the phone, so I decided not to do business with them. You're like, you don't even know you don't even know if they're good at, at accounting or you don't know if they're a good gym or you don't know if they're a good chiropractor. All you know is that the, the front desk receptionist was maybe having a bad day. And not even that, I've seen it where it's like, I tried to call them, they didn't get back to me, one star. And you're like, you have no idea. Like, so they were so busy, they couldn't get back to folks. So they deserve a one star. But you know, this is, this is the free market we live in. Now, the cool part about that is you can shortcut that buyer journey. Remember we said we're to go stranger to prospect, prospect to customer, customer to promoter. What if instead of making a four-point journey where you're like, Matt, to get more reviews, I have to just get more customers. If you just started asking your prospects to leave you a review, what if you started automating that request earlier in the customer journey? And I would argue earlier in the customer journey, there is a higher degree of um, disparity between what they've paid and what they've received, right? This is like the arbitrage. <laughs> at, at Prospect right now, if you join, if you subscribe to my channel, if you've got any value out of this right now, chances are you've paid me nothing, right? And this is, and I'll tell you, if you, if you go to Pepperdine and you, and you sign up for a marketing class, and I think they charge, I don't know what it is per credit. Let's say four, like, and it's crazy. I think about this, but students paid maybe $4,000 to attend, to attend my class. 
And uh, so I do, I do not collect that, right? So you're like, yeah, I got 30 students in here. It's like, man, this is a great gig. You're making 120K or whatever it is. That's not how it works. But think about it. They paid $4,000 and it'd be the same advice that I'm giving you right now. So right now, if this, any sort of aha, it just to like, you know, kind of be meta about this, you've experienced a ton of value and you've paid nothing. And so if I asked you, hey, if you wouldn't mind, if you got any value even from this conversation, if you wouldn't mind actually reviewing, I mean, I've done this a handful of times in my life. It's not that hard, but no matter where you listen, whether it's Spotify or Apple, or whatever platform you're on, you can actually click and review and it takes about less than 10 seconds to hit the five stars or four stars. Like I'll take it as honest feedback. If you're saying, Matt, this is, this is only three star worthy. I actually would appreciate any feedback over no feedback. Um, but if you would take those 10 seconds, that would mean the world that would motivate me and continue to, to, to keep producing this kind of value. Now, right, I told you this is going to be meta. Think about that right now. If you felt even a little bit compelled, even if you didn't do it, that is what we're talking about that's at play right now because you acknowledge, hey, I've paid nothing for, for the information or for the value I'm receiving. And I might actually feel a little bit compelled to leave a review. Why? Because I asked. Because I asked and I recognize, as I'm telling you all, that at this point in our customer journey, if you haven't paid me, you're kind of getting the best. This is the best exchange. This is better than, than even when you pay me because once you pay me, now it's not an infinitely greater amount of return. At this point, like what's the ROI on the money invested here? Well, if you've invested zero, it's infinitely greater than that. And so, um, but this is, this is a little bit of a ninja hack, but for any business anywhere, you can recognize points of value where instead of either playing a little bit longer game and waiting for them to become a customer, you can actually ask them to leave you a review before they've even paid you. And it's totally integritous. It's totally allowed. It's, it's, a, it's allowed by terms of service, all that stuff. It's above board. This is a totally acceptable way to build up your reputation. And for most folks, this is catch up because you, if you're in a lot of brick and mortar businesses, you've had thousands of customers. But if I look at your online reputation, it looks like you've had tens of customers. So if you feel like, you know, if the ninja part of this is you can actually have more reviews than you have customers if you do this really well. Most folks, you're behind the, you're behind the curveball, right? Like you, you have not done a great job of gathering reviews of evergreen referrals from every customer that you've had. So this is just catch up. Um, but I think it's a great way to compete and to continue to build an asset that will serve you forever. And at the heart of it, um, if you're trying to live a life with more margin, being better at marketing gives you so much space, that same kind of margin. It gives you a lot of grace in terms of how you scale your business. Because like I said, 80% of the decision-making process for me, who is the highest and most reviews, doesn't matter what industry you are. If you have the highest and most reviews, more people will go to you. They will reach out organically. And because you'll have an overwhelming demand, it's supply and demand, you'll be able to raise your price. And so imagine doing the same work that you're doing now, but making two times or three times more money. Would that be more margin in your life, right? Would that maybe give you time to buy back some of the activities you're doing that you don't want to do? So that's, that's the importance of what we're talking about today. And hopefully that little shortcut of, of the buyer's, the customer's journey and recognizing that you don't have to wait for someone to become a customer before you turn them into a promoter. You can actually go from stranger to prospect straight over to promoter. Thanks for tuning in for this week's Marketing with Matt. Check out ProfitMoreWorkLess.com to learn how we create high margin marketing. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the podcast, feel free to make a recommendation. I'm sure they'll thank you for it. Okay, bye for now.